welcome to the Blend Podcast with Tom and Brendan, discussing all things e-learning, digital marketing, design and entrepreneurship. The podcast is brought to you by Blend Interactive Content. Find us on LinkedIn or www.blend.training. Hello, Brendan. How are you? Hi, Tom. I'm good. I'm good. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. What are we going to talk about today? So I thought we'd actually do a bit of a deep dive into one of our projects because it's something that we were quite interested in when we heard about it. And then when we spoke to the the, the team, it was, um, it was something that we really wanted to be involved in because they aligned with our values. So I thought let's jump in and actually chat about it in a bit more detail. So I'm thinking key to enable. So do you okay. want to tell me a bit about the, the company? Yeah, so Key to Enable have come up in a couple of our podcasts, haven't they, at various points. And what they are is they're a startup based in the UAE. And we got in touch with them through my brother who lives in the UAE. And I got in touch with a guy called Jose, who is fanta- absolutely fantastic guy. Love him. He's from Brazil. Super cool guy. And I remember speaking to him about his company, Key to Enable, and briefly what they are is they have created well multiple devices but their main device is something called a key x which is basically a keyboard that a keyboard that can be used for kids with physical disabilities so normally with cerebral palsy but any child that might have difficulty or any not any child any anyone who might have difficulty using a standard keyboard to try and use a computer or a laptop. And I mean, first things first, it's just a cool company, isn't it? You know, yeah. doing something that adds real value to society. Just such a cool guy as well. All his team are, are really great as well. His brother and Jenna as well. It's just a fantastic group of people who work in this startup. And it was it was really lovely working with them. So from it was a no-brainer, really, once, yeah. once we found out that they wanted to uh, do some e-learning. Yeah. So what they asked us to do was create e-learning for the kids, but also for maybe the parents of the kids or guardians or teachers of how to actually use this special keyboard, this key X, the, the main functionality of it the main way to use the mouse, how to type, et cetera, et cetera. So it was almost like an e-learning version of a user guide, a user manual for this okay. for this device. So I think it's interesting to talk about as a case study because we've never been asked before to do some e-learning, but with the constraint of the user not being able to use a keyboard or or a mouse to actually do the e-learning you're designing it sounds strange but if you're building some sort of e-learning there's a there's a certain assumption there that the user can use the mouse use the keyboard do Mm. this do x do y do z you don't think about it there's just an assumption there so all of a sudden i was in a position where i'm on the e-learning authoring tools and i've got to try to design this piece of learning step by step but the user is learning to use the device as you're building the learning itself so this was a, a new challenge and it was something really difficult or yes or, it's an, it's a new it's basically it's a it's another level of empathy that you have to step back from the learning itself and just literally design it from scratch in terms of we have to have the the user experience and the user in mind 
at every single point of which we design anything well you know you can't start off the the learning with going right first thing you need to do click on this and type your name well they can't click on it because they don't know how to use the mouse you have to teach yep. them how to use the mouse before they can click on anything so it's almost like this catch-22 of trying to design the e-learning when there's zero knowledge of how to use any of the tools they have in front of them to start with yeah yeah so can it right before we jump into some of the the constraints and like the more details of the project about the device itself how uh, so it it works in using color com- color combinations with buttons doesn't it <laughs> color combinations <laughs> color combinations cut that bit you, no, that's funny okay so <laughs> i don't know why i said it like that uh, so it uses it uses color combinations of yeah. buttons to represent the entire keyboard basically doesn't it yeah so in the show notes we'll we'll put a visual of the device and obviously a podcast is not the best way to show <laughs> yeah. how cool this device is but basically yeah it's a larger device and you have various quite big buttons on the device and depending on which buttons you press in which order that has an output of a letter or a function or something like that so you know you'll have a combination of you have to press the orange button and then the red button and then a certain letter comes out with that combination that's basically how it works yeah it's basically this e-learning is a is a continuation of a very well thought out solution that lets you use the entire keyboard with just nine buttons yeah and it has to be like this because otherwise the kids physically won't be able to use it and this is the beauty of their startup you know jose and his team have massively thought about the ergonomics and the ux of this device and that's why it's such a great invention you know it's it's really really creative but from an e-learning point of view trying to create e-learning content it comes with a it comes with a set of challenges that you're just not going to find doing something else yeah we have to we have to approach it like they approach the device yeah so we obviously did all the discovery phase with them you know we went over what they wanted their needs analysis what they wanted the user to be able to learn learning objectives all of this stuff that we would with any other project the tricky part of this project was the development side of it as we've just explained on top of that you've got e-learning authoring tools themselves not naming any names but (laughs) they have their constraints regardless and we've mentioned this in other podcasts as well You know, we mentioned making sure the technology doesn't dictate the learning that happens. That issue is exacerbated in a project like this. This was a a key challenge. Can you talk about some of those specifically? Yeah, okay. So one issue was, do you get the user to learn the mouse functionality first or how to type first? But if you want the user to learn how to type first, then you can't use test re- text referencing boxes in something like Articulate Storyline. And I mean, I don't want to get too boring here on, on this podcast about the ins and outs of, of Storyline, but to enter information in a text reference boxes Storyline, you have to click inside it. That's fine for any normal project, but if the user doesn't know how to use the mouse, how they're going to click inside the box and start typing. So there's no point teaching them how to type if they can't use the mouse, if you're going to do it that way around. So if you want to teach them to use the mouse first, then you've got to go through that process before you even even mention the keys. 
Whereas if you don't want that issue, if you want them to type without having to use the mouse first, you can create letters that already exist on a slide that are hidden. And when they type that letter, the letter comes up. Does that make okay. sense? So you or, have to basically decide, do you want them to be able to make mistakes and learn from those mistakes? Or do you want them to not be able to get stuck? Exactly. So if you have a text referencing box and the user knows how to use the mouse and they can type the letters into the, that text referencing box, then they can delete those letters, etc., etc. Yeah. Whereas if you don't want them to learn the mouse first and you, you want them to be able to like type the letters because that's actually easier than using the mouse on the on the device, then mm. they can only type a letter that is hidden that becomes visible when they type it. If they type the incorrect letter, nothing happens. Okay. So there's things like this that come back to this idea of technological constraints versus how you want the learning to progress. Okay. And then this is the challenge. And obviously the client just wants you to do what they want. They don't care about the technology. They don't care about how helpful something like Storyline is. They just yeah. want you to do what they say or what yeah, you agree and, and they shouldn't they shouldn't have to worry about it and to be honest as the instructional designers we shouldn't be in a position where the software does constrain us and that's one of the things that hopefully is going to change over time there'll be new things that come into play where we have that freedom to do what's always best for the yes. the learning yeah so obviously my challenge then from mm. the e-learning development side of things is giving the client what they want. Plus, I want the kids to learn in the way that is most effective that we've agreed upon regardless. I don't want to change what I have to do because of storyline for the reasons you just outlined. So yeah. then my challenge is I have to find a workaround so everybody's happy and the learning is scaffolded in the correct way and the yeah. and the learning is getting more difficult and more difficult in the right way. Therefore, I just have to find a solution that works on the software. And yeah. we did that in various ways. I did that by uh, building up the mouse tutorials very slowly mm -hmm. and breaking those down into pieces of micro learning that had mini assessments as you went throughout the process to a point where clicking in a test re text reference box was was easy because they'd done these micro learning steps beforehand and actually it didn't seem like a massive leap from learning the mouse first to then learning the letters yeah so you broke the broke the 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 more complex pieces down and then reinforced it as you went through by repetition yes exactly and then you can do there's other things you can do alongside that so okay. for example making sure that the instruction that goes alongside the learning is is effective in a in a ui or a ux point of view and okay. this this is where i've been influenced by you a lot since we started blend because you know your stuff in terms of design thinking and how to visualize learning in maybe a way that you don't necessarily have to do as much in an educational institution and something i thought of was because like i said each function is a combination of pressing different colored buttons you could actually have the words themselves that they need to press color coded in that way what i mean by that is the letter b 
is half and i'm making these colors up now sorry i can't remember off the top of my head but let's say the letter b is the the left hand side of the letter b is red and the right hand side of the letter b is blue so but just by the user looking at that letter as part of the instruction Hmm. there's a subconscious piece of teaching there that goes okay i need to press this uh color first and this color second because that's what makes the letter b Yep. So there's things like that you can do that can reinforce the learning in a subtle way rather than throwing it in people's faces. Yeah. And obviously that that was really cool because when you showed me that, I was like, oh, I wish I'd thought of that. <laughs> and then obviously there's other aspects. So when there's more complex sequences of instructions, traditionally it'd be in a manual with a ton of text. But actually we approached it as how much can how much of this can we animate so you can follow along? And the advantage of of this color co- color coordination type stuff is that can take away a lot of copy that can take yep. away a lot of of text itself so it mm. can make the actual learning look cleaner and slicker and then th- the other major issue or challenge we had mm. was there's one thing trying to teach this type of learning with these technological constraints there's another thing fitting in a narrative and fitting in a story that is engaging for the kids because it's normally going to be kids who are learning it so there's one thing making sure the learning works the learning scaffolded it progresses in a in a rate that is effective for the learner to grasp each micro task etc etc but then on top of that it can't be boring that the story and the narrative itself can't be boring yeah we started with a, a script kind of guidelines from the client but then we basically had to come up with scenarios that would work to reinforce the learning with the actual method that we wanted to use. So that was, was interesting because we had to lead them on a journey. We had to tell a story, basically. Were there elements of that that you found different to normal when we, we uh, produce a project? Well, some things were always the same because yeah. we believe in storytelling being a massive part of learning. That's what that's a massive USP of blend. We always bang on about it all the time. We always talk about our influences, playing video games. When we were younger, the literature, books, choose your own adventure books. Mm. You know, all of this stuff we've mentioned multiple times on the podcast, on our website, when we talk to clients, all of this type of thing. So I think that is always ingrained in every project. But with this one, the difficulty was having an effective story, having a story that makes sense, having Mm. a story that engages the user, whilst at the same time making sure the user physically can move forward in their learning it was it was extra Mm. difficult this time around so it's basically it's embedding a technical task in a narrative task yeah because normally you have more freedom with the storytelling because you know that the user has more options in terms of what they can do with the content detectives for example we know the user can explore the room they know how to explore the room they've played video games they understand rpg video games they understand getting clues and uncovering things to go to the next part of the story so you've you've got more scope for an in-depth story there if someone can't use the mouse or it takes a long time for them to even type a letter that's an extra challenge to make the story engaging yeah there's a level of established foundation or knowledge that you have when you come to play a computer game or you come to do a bit of e-learning you wouldn't design a computer game about how to use a computer exactly the last thing we wanted to do Mm. was 
succeed in the learning side of it in terms of the instructions were clear the kids knew how to use the key x by the end of this learning but there was no narrative there was no story there because yeah. that isn't what we're about with every and that's job, not what helps the learning it's not what helps learning people will get bored anyway so this was a real challenge but we managed it because we made the tasks that the user had to do move the story along for example they had to type a number they had to learn how to use the numbers instead of just some random tasks saying type this number in there was a birthday party that the character was going to and they had to count the candles on the cake of the person whose birthday it was what of the animal whose birthday it was and then that's how they type the number so it's it's this concept of making sure the the learner wants to complete that task because they want to see what happens in the story not because they've been told to complete that task yeah no one's invested in typing the number seven exactly yeah (laughs) well maybe some people are but so we had to try and make sure that all the tasks were like this for another example they had to find a certain place on this adventure and they got lost the character gets lost there's lots of snakes around and they're scared of snakes so one real challenge for us was how do we fit in the repeat function how to press one button and then that button just repeats to make it make sense in a story yeah that's quite challenging yeah so what we did is we had this backstory whereas if you made a snake sound that it scared the snakes off so all of a sudden now it makes sense to type sssssss because you need to know how to use the repeat function and it makes sense within the story so it's things like this it's challenges like that we had to think of that mm. maybe sound quite straightforward when we're explaining it now but within the constraints of what the user knew how to do made it mm. that, that had that extra layer of challenge there yeah because it was basically we action mapped it out so it was the goal is to be able to use the keyboard the key actions they need to be able to do are type a letter type a number press delete do a repeat put capital letters in put a space in and then what we had to do was think of scenarios that actually gave it a context and gave it a flow um and then obviously when building it we had to then use the workarounds and be creative actually within the software itself to solve the technical problems so it's really interesting and and also one other thing i, w- I would like to add because it's something mm. i really learned personally myself on this project but when you design something so much when you play something yourself so much often when you're designing something you're testing it testing it testing it testing it you've got to be very careful to not forget that other people are looking at this for the first time plus other people are different and in this case obviously different because they have this disability so i'm testing this game all the time and yeah okay then the user does this i'm testing it that's fine but actually Mm. for someone looking at this the first time this is going to be 10 times more challenging or it's going to be completely new to them. And I always had to keep that in mind as I was designing it. I had to be careful not to go off on some crazy in-depth narrative that I thought was really fun and interesting when the user wouldn't even get past the first stage of that. Well, that was what was really interesting because this one brought to the forefront more than anything, the fact that having two of us working on it meant that I could, you could get on doing this and then I could be the fresh set of eyes to come in and proof it and actually play it and then the other good thing is working closely with uh, jose's team is that they then test it with the the actual keyboard itself so 
things that we didn't want to take for granted is, for example, we can test the speed at which you can do things, but we're using our technology that we are used to using. And so building in that timing aspect, the how long things are on screen for, how um, assuming that like normally you'd put something on screen and you could have things like a timer to just basically give someone plenty of time to read a piece of text. And often in in animation, when I was doing animation stuff with text and explainer videos, is that you you read it as slow as you possibly can as the person designing it and then double the time because you've read it hundreds of times, someone else is reading it for the first time and that actually will feel too fast if they're reading it for the first time. So that was really interesting because it was a perfect scenario for testing that and understanding that we need multiple levels of proofing and testing to ensure that it's it's spot on for the end client. So that was good. Like we, we often say one of Blend's USPs is our combined skill set and our experience of different industries and we're greater than the sum of our parts. But we wouldn't have said that you being able to be a fresh set of eyes or you or you making sure that I don't go off on these tangents or on these or in these rabbit holes because you can you have taken a step back from the e-learning itself and can look at it in a way that I'm not looking at it would have been an advantage at the start. And it came out in this project that actually that's another advantage you have to rather being in being together rather than one individual freelancer who doesn't have that luxury. Yeah. And also the fact that I'm from a different background, I'm looking at it with fresh eyes from a different angle as well. So it means that we we rather than all agreeing on the same things, we actually balance everything out. And so we get a good sense of overall functionality working across it all because we're basically we're um, ironing out all the creases combined well yeah and i'm looking at it very much from a point of view of learning design and the structure of learning and how the user is progressing through that learning and even though we've helped each other in in our respective ways you know i think i've become much more proficient in design thinking and and that sort of thing and i think you have vice versa with with sort of learning design But at the end of the day, you're going to look at it much more from that visual perspective, the UX perspective from a design point of view and see things that I wouldn't. And that's been that was also advantage in this project. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's amazing how much something as simple as aligning things. And it's amazing how much aligning things makes a difference to the order in which people look at things, as well as the positioning, the placement of objects in proximity to others. And also the just in the order in which something pops on. I mean, you don't even have to change much in the way that it animates. You can literally just have it fade on something very simple. But the order in which it fades on is very, very powerful in terms of leading the eye around a piece. And that really helps the learning process as well. And it's funny how little touches like that really makes a difference. And that's what what worked well with this is that you built a great foundation. And then I was able to tweak the position and it made it much more than just a tweak. It was we we really finished the piece and so that was cool yeah and it, and it was just more validation wasn't it that we are like greater than the sum of our parts and mm. and that really came across in this project and it was really useful feedback for us as well where our strengths and and weaknesses are and how we can improve those and help each other out with those mm, definitely so are there any uh, is there anything from this project that you would like to continue using going forward any any ways in which the way that you've worked's changed it confirmed certain things for me it confirmed oh. to me how important the storyboarding process is 
And yep. the reason why I say that is because of the constraints that certain authoring tools can have. So you need to make sure that you're, the way you want the user to learn, the journey you want the user to go through is is really thought about before you even start any of the development phase of a project. Um, yep. Because otherwise you could really trip yourself up if you've, if you've cheated or skipped that bit. That was massively important. And also, like I said, learning from a more design thinking point of view, how I can integrate those sorts of concepts in the learning itself. And the example yep. of that is like the color coordination. That was yep. something that I, I, I'd be stronger at in the next project. Yeah, yeah, no, that was really cool. Yeah. Okay, great. That was really interesting. Um, hopefully on one of the other podcasts, we can maybe get Jose in for a chat to hear it from the, the client side and talk about more about key to enable in a, like the wider context of what they're doing as well. So definitely, definitely. Great. Well, lovely talking to you, Tom. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Blend Podcast. It's available on Spotify, Google and Apple. You can find Blend Interactive content on LinkedIn or www.blend.training. Don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.